welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I'm Bob Hassan with my good friend, Sean Bowles. Sean, how are you today? I'm doing great, and I'm excited to bring Bobby Shuler to the show because Bobby Shuler is a hybrid between business and ministry for sure. He speaks to so many people all over the world through Hour of Power radio show. But Bobby is a Christian pastor, televangelist, and best-selling author. And he is a grandson of Robert H. Shuler, the founder of Crystal Cathedral. And he's the lead pastor of Shepherds Grove Church as well in Irvine, California. Most people don't know, though, he also has a business in real estate that mm-hmm. you called him out on behind the scenes. We're at TVN for our book, Wired to Hear, being interviewed about that. And yeah. Bobby it was just you know sitting with us, talking to us. He's just so passionate. And you're like, you're a businessman. I can see it on you. And he goes, well, you know, I run an organization, a church, and it has so many employees. He said, no, you're a businessman too. He goes, well, I do have a real estate business, a very successful one, but it's not his primary focus at all times. So I think he puts it on the back burner as far as how he talks. But we learned a lot through Bobby as he shared just different stories that he's had to go through. I think he's been a forerunner in many types of uh, new expressions of how the church works together, especially across the charismatic, Pentecostal, and conservative fields. He pastors a, a Presbyterian church, but can keep up with any charismatic that I know, which is just so amazing as far as his mm-hmm. theology and understanding of what God's doing right now. So I'm excited to have him on today. I am too. And I think it's so interesting when we talk to a man like this, being able to move into both worlds. And I know that he believes that you know, being the CEO of a business or being the pastor of a multinational church is the same thing. Everybody deals with the same issues. So I think what we're going to get with Bobby is listening to common issues in the marketplace uh, and common issues in the church, uh, at least larger churches. And he he fascinates me as, as a man who loves God, but understands how to run organizations. Yeah. It's interesting because when you think about running a church or a ministry that has many different wings under it, some of maybe you have a bookshop or you have, a, a radio ministry or a TV ministry like this church does, you know, that's runs right alongside of it. And you deal with, especially in a state like California, where they're based, you deal with the same employee laws for a nonprofit or for-profit. Some states aren't like that in America. But so, I mean, everything that you would deal with if somebody goes through, you know, needing special leave or if they are going to sue the organization because of some sort of harassment or whatever else, it's it, the laws are the same all the way across the board. So you end up becoming a true CEO if you're running a ministry, because you're dealing with the same kinds of people with the HR processes and everything else. And so it's really interesting because sometimes pastors get marginalized by business people as not knowing as much, and yet they're dealing with the same problems. And so sometimes you and I talk about the sacred versus sacred, and we focus on the the secular as far as we focus on your job is what your calling is, whatever you do as a job, whether it's in the church or not, you're just as valuable. But sometimes we don't give the pastor point of view, which is they deal with a lot of the same stuff and they don't always get treated with the same respect by business leaders when they come to the table with the same kind of issues. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I can't wait. Up next, Bobby Schuler. My new book is called Encounter, a spiritual perspective that will shape your faith for the coming move of God. 
And this book is gonna help you to understand the days we're living in right now and have an urgency to meet with Jesus the way that I did through some of these encounters that are gonna form your faith. So you can get this book. So make sure to go to bowlsministries.com encounter a spiritual perspective that will shape your faith for the coming move of God. Welcome back to Exploring the Marketplace. Sean, how are you today? I'm so good. And you can see right oh. here, we have Bobby Schuler, who's just an amazing man. I'm so glad you're here, Bobby. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Love you both. Well, I mean, we've been able to work together some through TBN. And so I've got to know you behind the scenes. And I've found this business strategist man who's like a forward thinker, entrepreneurial kind of person who is funny and full of ideas on so many levels. I think you have you have a problem solving gift, I think just naturally in your life and you just think of things in a really unique way. So I think it's really cool for our listeners to hear because they might see you on Hour of Power or they might see you as a pastor, but they don't know the full, or even on TBN, but they don't know the full kind of the inner workings of Bobby Schuler. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> so yeah, sure. This is really fun. Tell us yeah. kind of like what we were talking about behind the scenes, even as far as being a pastor, you know, you, you have 75 employees plus all the things you guys are working on. It really is like running a business in a way. Yeah. It's a, it's like a huge international business franchise, actually. I hate to say it that way because we're, you know, we are in the business of helping people. We are in the business of sharing the gospel and encouraging people and especially reaching unchurched people. But if you look at it through a business lens, there, you know, we have to think like business people because we have employees and we deal yeah. with money and we deal with property and we deal with the city. And, uh, and then in our international thing, we have to deal with international politics. So the, the basic structure of, of us is actually we're, we're sort of two organizations, even though in spirit we function as one. We're a local Presbyterian church that has a session and we report to a Presbyterian. We have all of those regularities, but then we're also uh, a television ministry that functions as a separate board, but connected to that session and is accountable that. And then I am the president of that, of both of those uh, ministries or companies. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as the CEO president type we have here uh, uh, in the U S in the Los Angeles area, we have about 75 employees. And then we have another couple hundred independent contractors that do mm -hmm. different things with, you know, anything from, from painting to singing. Right. So we have a lot of that and we have people who come in and speak for us. And then internationally, we have, uh, actually seven international ministries, Switzerland, Germany, Netherlands, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and Hong Kong. And each of those have their own offices with employees, their own contracts, their own development, their own goings in and goings out with government. And we have to learn that. And I chair and, and I chair all of those boards and I am the president of all of those ministries. So I have to also keep an eye on those. We've had money stolen from us. We had a guy in the Netherlands that stole over a period of five years, stole like 350,000 euros wow. through a fake organization from us, you know. He started an organization called Heart for Children to send relief to Haiti. Yeah. And and um, at first, they were sending relief to Haiti. But, you know, as it goes, you have so many things going on. It's, it's going, they're sending reports. And then it just starts being like fake pictures and stuff. We didn't catch it too much oh. later. But he became the only employee. And so he was paying himself this large salary for doing nothing and was sending no relief for anything. And then in, in the Netherlands, the case is something at the time, I don't know if it's still this way. So we fired him, right? 
And we wanted to press charges, but technically he didn't break the law because he filed everything and he said he was raising awareness. And then so I, this is a long story, but then also we had to pay him. We went to court with him. He oh sued my us gosh. for firing him because in the Netherlands, even if somebody commits a felony, you have to pay them. It's something like this. Okay. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're Dutch and you're like, he's getting it wrong. It's something like this, but we had to pay him one month's salary for every year he worked for us and we were paying him six figures. So we had to write a $170,000 check in court. And, uh, and that's just not something that would never happen in the United States. You have to learn these laws that are unique to these different countries that are technically your employees. And it's a, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. I I think it's interesting, Bobby, because, uh, you know, we're domiciled in California and California is an employee state. And so I've seen, you know, time after time, these kind of things where a wrong is done to a company, but uh, the company ends up having to pay the employee who's done the wrong. And it, this bitterness creeps in if you're not careful because, because you want, you, you, it's like, I'm going to ask the Lord to hide me under his wing and break the teeth of that enemy. And Mm -hmm. you kind of like the Psalm comes out, uh, out in you. Yeah. But, but Jesus is calling us to forgive, forget, to move on and hopefully not make the Satan mistake twice. And it's really, really a hard thing to deal with, especially what you just talked about. I I think that states should rethink protected class things, or at least protect, think about the way they're legislating because they're actually harming the people they think they're protecting. So when you look at those laws as a CEO and you see there's a protected class, that means that that class is actually a higher risk to hire, right? If they're protected and you want to fire them for doing a bad job, um, now they're like, it's like hiring family, right? You don't ever hire family or you, you do your best not to because you can't fire them. And so even though you love them, you love your family and they may be amazing. They may be the best person ever. Prudence, a general rule of thumb. I mean, people, people can break the rule all the time and it goes well. I mean, it does happen, but it's a risk. It's a higher risk because, you know, now if you fire that person, you have this tension in your family. So what happens if you create a protected class, if you take ageism, for example, um, and you fire somebody that's older and they sue you for ageism, then now you're like, oh, you know, the thing that's supposed to protect old people now in the hiring process makes them a higher risk. So I don't think you, I think there should be some way to think about laws where you shouldn't fire, you can't fire people for age or religion or race or any of those things. But I think the law still is harming those people ironically. And I don't know what the solution is, but I think somebody needs to to look at that. I don't know if you guys agree with that. I do. I do agree with that. I think the big picture is like, even you talking about that shows how many things you're working in and how many problems you've had to solve through the years of just being a president of this many boards and working in conglomeration all over the world. I think there's something really unique um, in your perspective because you also run a side business that you had before you were in ministry with real estate. And so you're, you're a busy guy and there's a lot of wisdom you have to put on. And people think with ministries that it's going to be easier sometimes, but the problems actually are, um, there's an expectation. There's not a lot of problems when there's a ministry or even in a Christian organization. And so there's disappointment sometimes that creeps into people's hearts. Like Bob used that word creeping into hearts. When there is something like this that happens in the Netherlands, a lot of people it's, it stalls out their ministry purpose or their mandate because something human happened or even sometimes demonic happened, but something, something very human that happens in lots of organizations An employee embezzles money or something happens. And, and a lot of 
people are like, how come you didn't catch it? You're the pastor, you're the leader. How have you dealt with that through the years as far as people's perception? Or have you just, have you just treated it like it is and just moved on? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I have not had to deal with that. I mean, if right. I understand you right, I don't think people... I don't know. I think that that's an older thing. I think Christians put, put that more on themselves. Like I shouldn't be having these problems because I'm a Christian either because it's a lens of like, I'm highly favored. So why is this yeah. happening? Or <laughs> so I, th- I think that there is, I think at the end of the day, I, I have not experienced people putting that on, on me. That's awesome. Um, but maybe I'm just lucky, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I understand the question totally, totally right. But. Well, well, let me let me say this, like back to your point about ageism or protected classes. Um, I'm in the construction business and a lot of the larger jobs that we do, they they will have a minority requirement or a within a zip code requirement that is trying is doing the right thing, trying to make it happen. Uh, mm-hmm. But the bureaucracy gets in place. And I see you find you find people who are running either pass-through companies or, or skirting around the law. And it's hard uh, when you're running a company, a company of character or a nonprofit of character to do the right thing all the time. And we have these unintended consequences where we think we're doing the right thing, but we're not like hiring family. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or like, I'm going to take a leap of faith here, hiring Christians. Like I will not hire Christians anymore. I will uh, hire somebody yeah. who's qualified, but oh, I see. being a believer isn't qualification to getting a job uh, anymore because it just, it just opens these can of worms. And, and I, I love the church and I love believers, but I've been through down this road of litigation so many times when you're trying to do the right thing and it comes out the wrong way because of a protected class, like you were saying. I think, I think at the end of the day, you, you need to learn the rules and play by the rules no matter what, right? Yeah. Always do that. But at the same time, I think probably the, the, the bigger thing about you're a Christian is when it comes to firing someone, for example, even though they didn't, like sometimes you got to fire somebody because they're just not good enough. And that is where it's like they didn't, they did their job and they were fine. But you can just tell, like there's some people who are not into it anymore. They're not a good culture fit. Mm-hmm. and they, they need to go. And in ministry, especially that becomes, yeah. you know, you have to be, you have to build, you have to bake into the ministry. I think it's true in your business. You got to build in the, the idea of culture. And that like for us, the most important thing is culture. We actually care more about culture than we do about competency or chemistry. Those are our three C's that we talk about chemistry, culture, and competency. Mm-hmm. But the most important for us is, is culture because we want to see that like, for example, people can be adaptable, that people enjoy coming here. We want, um, like, for you know, most people, if they work a nine to five job, they spend a third of their lives at their job. Then they spend a third of their lives sleeping. Right. And then they, if you live in LA, you spend a third of your life driving. <laughs> you know, that's it. You, know, you just drive, work and sleep. And so I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I think people would rather do a job they hate with people they love yes. than do a job they love with people they hate. Yes. Oh, for and, sure. and that's why you got to create a staff that just loves each other. And ours does. We, everybody, we have all, we're super diverse age wise, uh, race wise. And even within most of it, all, everybody's a Christian, but there it's kind of a broad range of Christians. You know, it's Pentecostals and we've got some, you get, you get a, a lot, a large, than just like hardcore Presbyterians and Baptists and some people drink and some people don't. And, and yeah. some people think, you know, and so you, you got all, and, 
but everybody just loves each other and they, yeah. they go out to dinner with each other after work and they, you know, hang out on the weekend. So, awesome. so that, I think when we learned that, like our, our growth, um, the quality of our ministry, the quality of our programs, the quality of our development, even simple things like accounting, like our accounting department calls themselves the accounting ministry. And they're really oh, into like praying so cool. people. They come to work an hour early and pray for everybody. Wow. So I just learned that like, you know, firing people for culture is actually a good thing to do. Um, even if they're doing their job right, it sometimes you need to, in the most Christian, soft landing, long runway possible, you know, you still need to, you know, kind of show people the door because you want to create this amazing environment for your team. I know. I think of how, how many pastors have let someone stay on for 10 or even 20 years because they just are afraid they're doing their job. They're not who we want, but they're who we have. And we're going to be loyal to a principle versus loyal to a culture, which is really cool. I mean, I think it's really cool. I want to go into your, your TV career because Sure. You started doing TV um, and you were going to do, I think it was mainstream, I believe. And, and, and it didn't work out so well. <laughs> so I want to talk about like how this all started because where you're at now, I love what you're working on and how you present yourself. And just, I, I love working with you. I love being interviewed by you. We're interviewed. I'm interviewed quite a bit on TV and by you, but it didn't start out that way. And you would never know the story because of the level of just professionalism you have now, but talk to us about the beginnings. Yeah. So I started, um, I started in TV uh, with a, a company called um, Frequency X, and it's actually under 100 Huntley Street. So it was technically a, a Christian company, but they had a secular branch. Okay. And I, I was invited into that branch uh, to be a host of a show. And it was a secular show. There was two shows they did. Uh, and I hosted two, two different ones. And it was, um, they were all, all under this channel called Frequency X. So it was a Canadian thing. And, but, uh, so I lived in this house in Germany and my job was to just be like a news host. And, you know, I would, they would have these, if you've ever been to the expo, it used to be called the world's fair. You have all these countries that come out and they all build a pavilion and they showcase their country and they do this for like six months. And so one show I had was to go through the pavilion. Today, we're going to see the Irish pavilion and you interview the people and you do all this. And then the other one was a concert show. So we had big concerts come through like Britney Spears. And Chemical Brothers and all these bands in the you know late '90s, early 2000s that were a huge deal. You know, and I got to interview some of these people, and I've never smoked weed, but I think one time I got hotboxed in one of these during an interview. I'm like, I don't know, I've never in my life ever done anything like that. But I'm like, I don't know, a little like, there's this reggae band, and they're all smoking weed. Oh, and uh, I just had to do it because it was my job. But but uh, I we had some footage we're gonna show right now. Just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is I, Bobby. Yeah, it was it was uh, terrible, and I was bad at it. So this this was a problem. It's especially the first few months. I get in front of the camera, and I would stumble my lines. I would get the country wrong. I would oh. you know, something something, and I would I would have these multiple takes and something really simple like two lines. Hi, everybody. We're here at the Irvine Pavilion. We're going to go in and check out and we're going to talk to so-and-so. And I would, and it would just be like a two-line intro. And it would be like 30 or 40 takes. Sometimes the camera crew would get so frustrated. They'd just call a lunch. And I'd be there kind of like, I'm a 19, 20-year-old, like just kind of scratching my face going, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. And this went on and on. And finally, by the end, I got decent at it, but I wasn't you know, good at it. But I looked back at that as an embarrassing failure. Just six months of 
grinding away at mm. talking to a camera because it can't, you guys know, looking at a camera, it messes with you, you know, especially when it's a big lens camera, there's people walking around with there's lights yeah. and, and audio and makeup. And then I, uh, later about seven years later, I was hired by TLC to do this show called the messengers. It was their biggest show for TLC that year. They had a giant budget. We worked with, uh, original productions. And I was a judge because I, uh, my background and my graduate degree in, in religion. So I, you know, in, uh, got an MDiv from Fuller and I studied all this stuff so I could speak. And, and the show was a competition between different religions and worldviews about which, you know, view could be America's next inspirational speaker. And it was like a huge deal. And they, can I just tell you, they paid me a lot. I got paid a lot of money to do this. And I was like, yes, this is like, this is what I'm going to do now. You know, I'm going to do this. And they wanted, they had like, they were hoping to do season two, season three. They did season one and it, it rated. Okay. It rated like a 0.5 or a 0.6, I think. And they were hoping for more like a 0.7, but it wasn't bad. And then the crash happened, the financial crash of 2007, 2008. And so for like a year, they were talking about whether they were going to do it or not. And then it just never happened. And that was like another failure. So what was funny is when, the hour of power thing happened. They were in bankruptcy and they were, you know, they asked me to come in and shepherd it unto death. And there's all these people and cameras everywhere. When I got in front of the camera, it was no problem. I was ready <laughs> for it. I wasn't nervous. The lights didn't distract me. The camera didn't distract me. I could get up there, speak from my heart, listen to the Holy spirit, do what God was calling me to do. And I realized later that those two things that I thought wow. was, I was so hopeful for, that I was, you think about both of them felt like once in a lifetime opportunities. Yeah. I mean, who's lucky enough to have both those things and for both to be a failure. It felt like, and, and this is a period of like 15 years. It was not yeah. like a lot, you know, and you look back and he's like, Oh, I blew that once in a lifetime opportunity or it just got a lucky, but little did I know it was God preparing me for, for what I'm doing wow. now. And so I was able to effectively get in there and communicate to a large television audience and, and carry on. Well, tell me this, I want to get into your head because 10 or 15 years of persistence, like you're having these failures. What are you saying to yourself? What are you asking God? How, how do you keep putting one foot in front of the other to eventually get to this thing that is your destiny? I think on those things, I just moved on to something else. Both of those once in a lifetime opportunities, that is being a host for a Canadian television show in Germany and a TLC thing were almost random. Uh, we know they're from God, but I wasn't looking for them. They came out of nowhere through a random lunch or, you know, meeting someone, you know, that was a friend of a friend. So they, they did come through networking, which I do think is important. I wasn't trying to find them, but because I was, I'm an extroverted guy. I love people. I love meeting people. I'm enthusiastic and outgoing all the time. It annoys my wife like crazy. I'm always like making <laughs> friends with the server or with some person eating next to us, you know? But I think that did help because it, it just stumbled onto these opportunities accidentally. Mm-hmm. But I think that the disappointment, I think I, I do have something wired in me that's like, I always want to be working on some project or doing something. So it was more like, okay, that's not what I should be doing now. And so in my case, it was after that, I planted a church and uh, that actually was a success. So that was before our wow. <laughs> Man, that's so good. I, I'm so glad we had this conversation. I can't believe it's already the end of our time because it's so good. Tell us how people can watch you on Hour of Power and tell us how people can get a hold of your church messages. 
Sure. I mean, you can watch us on a number of TV stations, but our favorite way is we like to send people just to our YouTube channel because you can see anything there. So it's just YouTube forward slash Bobby Schuler or Our Power. And our church is here in Irvine. If you're a local, we'd love to have you come visit sometime. Amazing. Well, Bobby, thanks so much. Like there's so much to think about and uh, I can't believe our time's over, but next we have questions with Sean and Bob. Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment to upgrade everything we're doing to have the time and space to do this. It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I want to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you and also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're gonna receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on a journey with our partners because they are some of our they're a team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner. Bob, we're back for my favorite segment, which is mm-hmm. when we answer questions from listeners and viewers just like you. If you want to ask a question, go to bowlsministries.com and you can click on a banner that says ask Sean and Bob a question and we will answer them and sometimes through the show. So here's our question today, Bob. It's what are some negotiating tips you have to land a job or to get a bid or Mm -hmm. to, you know, as a Christian, how do you actually look at this from a spiritual perspective, but also a natural perspective? And what are tips you have in negotiating? Well, that's, that's a good question. And, and I'll just say first, um, in my business, uh, we bid for jobs and generally over 45 years, we get about 10%, sometimes less of the bids that we put out. And so I'm used to a 90% rejection rate. Wow. And <laughs> what happens is, uh, you know, over the years, I've learned to trust God. Like I'm, I'm putting out all these prices for these jobs, Lord, give us the job that you would have for us, protect us from bad jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And by and large, over my entire career, he has, but I've made some mistakes and tried to out negotiate someone else and get a job for cheaper. And it hasn't gone well for me. And that is pride and control. But I think um, getting used to rejection is not an easy thing for people to hear or think about. Uh, but it's a reality in in the workplace. And, and and the other thing that I think about is negotiating when, let's say you're interviewing for a job. Uh, a lot of people have the mindset that you are being interviewed for a job. But if you flip, if you flip the switch a little bit and say you're going into a company that you know nothing about, you have the ability to negotiate or interview the people that you're talking to about their company. And feel like, is this the right fit for me? Yeah. The last thing I'll say, Sean, is negotiating is, is, is a fine art. 
And, but honesty is the hallmark of it. Um, uh, Misdirection or manipulation or things that we've seen, um, uh, it just, just doesn't work. So if you're looking, if you're in a job where you're negotiating, um, be yourself, be true to yourself and, and recognize that the Lord gives you character and that it's yours to dispense to the people that you're negotiating with. Tell me what you think. Oh, I mean, I think you just answered. I think you nailed it in so many different ways. So many good points. And I think honesty and and being who you are is huge. And I love when people have come to me and asked me when yeah. I'm interviewing an employee and a potential employee, and they're saying, tell me about your company. Tell me about what, like, yeah. what drove you to do this. That just causes you to go, you really care. Like you're really, you're really trying to learn something and be a part of this. And it's not just like contrived, but it's actually from their heart. You could tell. And so I think, you know, too many people hold their cards closely when they're in negotiations. And there's almost like this, like, I'm going to miss something or I'm going to miss out because I'm not going to, because I tell them too much or I reveal too much of what's in my hand. And I'm like, just be honest. And I see you do this. And I mean, your 10% of jobs you get is like keeps you so occupied and so moving forward that, I mean, if people can get to where you're at after this many years, it's worth practicing these things and saying yes to these things and Mm. being like a Bob Hassan. So I so appreciate what you said. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks so much for joining us. If you like this podcast, please like us and subscribe uh, to the podcast. Or you can join us on CBN News on TV. That's new, Sean, isn't it? It is. And, We're uh, excited. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring Podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bowlsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.